Hi, I'm Nick Gill, International Strength and Conditioning Coach. I've been working with the All Blacks for the past 15 years and have been part of two successful Rugby World Cups. I love to coach rugby players and I love to see them succeed on and off the field. And now, I can be part of your rugby journey. What's going on, Rugby Ready listeners? This is your host, Tyler Buck, also known as Bucky. In this episode of the Rugby Ready podcast, we're giving you an inside look into our one-on-one coaching clients monthly group call. This is where every single month, Gilly and I sit down and answer all of our one-on-one coaching clients' questions. We go through the struggles that they're facing, and really the goal is to provide tons of value and build community. If you would like to become a one-on-one coaching client, go to our Instagram, at Rugby Ready, click the link in our bio to apply, and we'll get back to you to set up a free 15-minute intro call. Enjoy the episode. I think other people will join along the way. So why don't we get started, guys? I think a really good uh, theme for today's call, and of course, if you have questions, drop them in at any time. Um, but I think a really good theme for today's call would just be talking about how to navigate the holidays, um, taking a break if you need it. I know a lot of us kind of feel guilty if you take a bit of a deload or time off during the holidays. And then, of course, there's all the, the food and drinks to navigate. Um, and then where, where do we fit training into the mix? So we'll talk through that. And then if, if you guys have a question, just uh, pop in. Sweet. So, Gilly, what do you think about when – like when the athletes have been, say Josh and, and Torbjorn in this case, have been training really hard and maybe like most of us are feeling quite a bit of fatigue, would you say over the Christmas break, it's a good time to take time completely off training? Do you deload? What do you usually recommend? Um, I think it depends on each person, but um, like I personally, um, I'm, I'm the sort of person that needs to keep doing something. Um but I think it probably depends on the the sort of um, not the lifestyle, but the the life that you have around you. Um, so what I mean by that is, um, if you're actually like if you're going to a beach home for for two weeks, where your training might be deloaded de- anyway because of access to equipment. Um, you mentioned food. We'll talk about that soon. But um, I think it's important, even even away from holiday seasons, that there's deloads. You see, so. So I, I just think that you, you can't have a week or two completely off. Um, it just means that you'll lose a lot. And then when you come back, it'll be a bit harder. And then the risk of injury is a bit higher. So I think it's more of a, it's just, it should just be a normal deload period where you might train a little bit less often, a little bit less volume, a little bit less intensity, um, but you're still ticking things over in and around, you know, the the, the festive activities. That's cool. So we. I mean, I think the important. Sorry, sorry, Bucky. The important thing there is most of us feel good when we exercise and train. So we don't want to just not do it if we enjoy it, um, Mm -hmm. just because it's Christmas. Um, So I think it's just a matter of looking at what you've got on and and maybe not making it as big a priority as it might be during the rest of the year. That's a really good point, Gilly. Because I know a few of our members have reached out. They're going to their beach house over over Christmas, and they and they do want to train. What would you say, I mean, what comes to my mind is, you know, you might do like one or two full body circuits, sort of endurance type circuits, maybe some hills, some beach running. What would you say if, if you don't have access to a, a gym, what would you recommend a sort of training week would look like? So first of all, I wouldn't go beach running, Bucky. Silly no. idea. Silly? Um, Why is beach running silly? You don't like Rocky? 
Yeah, well, look, if you if you run on a beach regularly, running on a beach for, for your holiday is a good idea. But if you don't, you get all sorts of stresses on the Achilles and calf and knees that you're not used to. And so um, a big a big no-no for, for most people going away on holiday is changing, changing the modalities a lot. Um, so what I mean by that is if you've been running on a field in boots and you've been doing short intervals, um, running on a beach and bare feet and doing longer intervals or or longer runs, you're probably going to end up with something that's a bit of a niggle. Um, likewise, you don't go and run for an hour on the road. Um, so, and, and, and um, everyone does it, right? Everyone does it. Professional players, all blacks do it. All blacks will go for a run on the road. Again, you mentioned Rocky, um, Bucky, but um, an all black, uh, this season actually thought he was Rocky in a bye week and went for a road run with his hoodie on and had Achilles uh, tendonitis for the next four months. Okay. Um, just because he hadn't run on a road at 110 kilos um, for a decade. Okay. So all of a sudden you throw in something unfamiliar, even though you're fit, um, it's unfamiliar. So you end up the body doesn't like it. So, um, so, Let's go back to the original question, bro. Um, what would I do on a on a week or two where we don't have equipment or facilities? Then, then it would be similar to what you've been doing, but obviously with some improvisation. So you know you not might not be able to get to a bench to do bench press, or you can you can do lots of different press up variations, no problem. Um, you know, I find the hardest thing to to replicate when you're away with little equipment is pulling. Um, is anything through the upper body to pull so pressing is easy but pulling is more difficult um, so I'm a bit of a weirdo like I'll go for a run and I'll look for a, a bench or a playground or something like that where there's a bar that I can either either do an um, inverted row or horizontal chin underneath um, um, or I'll try and find a doorway or a beam under a deck where you can grab onto it and pull yourself up so I think that you know it's just a matter of trying to get some push and pull going uh, with body weight um, and then lower body is easy as well because you just use your own body weight to do variations of what you've been doing, e.g. squat, uh, Bulgarian split squat, lunging. You're just doing it with with body weight and or some some implements you can find laying around the batch. Um, you know, picking up your pick. I, I used to I used to um, squat with my butt with my daughters in my in my arms. You know, to add four or five kilos. Um, that they'd, they'd love it. My wife would think I was doing a great job, but babysitting. But here I was doing a workout. So, um, so I think that coming up with ways to get the the resistance or the the endurance in is is easy. And then the running or the conditioning, again, I just um, depending on your age, your position, your size, the health of your lower body, um, running something that you don't want to go from doing lots of field based intervals to some long slow road runs um you know if you progress slowly you'll probably be okay but um i think just 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 bearing in mind that it's really really different sort of modality um but i think 30 or 40 minute easy jogs should be no problem for most people um you know on a road with decent footwear um you know look for trails look for softer softer surfaces like um golf courses or or bush bush runs or forest runs try and try and get off road a little bit um, so it just takes away a little bit of that impact of a hard surface. Um, but that's sort of all I'd do is all I do. And what I, what I'd recommend people do is, is, um, use your body weight and, um, and probably tone down the intensity of your running unless you can find a field. And also one, um, 
I totally agree what you said about pulling exercises. And there's a guy called Steve Maxwell, um, and he has a really cool couple YouTube videos of basically minimalist pulling exercises, and you can use a door. Um, the key thing is, is you don't rip it off the hinges. So you have to put a couple of books or magazines underneath the door, and then you can get someone to hold it. And you can put um, a couple towels on top, and then you can actually do doorway pull-ups. Um, they're quite difficult. And then you can also use Bucky, a... Bucky, Bucky that, that'd be right on my weight, mate. But your weight, you'd probably break the doors, mate. Especially without wooden. You'd be <laughs> yeah. a I'd probably tear it oh, off. Well, if yeah. he's screwed, I'm screwed, aren't I? Good for no one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hooker. That hooker, you should be right, mate. <laughs> yeah. I'll test you it. How about this? After the Bucky. call, I'll test it out and see. I think you should I think you should test it out and then uh, post a clip on it, mate. I'd love to see it. All right. Yeah. All right. I'll make it happen. Yeah, make it happen, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then another one you can do, you can actually use a bed sheet. So you got to tie a knot in one end and then you put it on the top of the door and you shut the door. But when you do it, you have to make sure you're not pulling the same way the door opens to go on the opposite side. And then you can do kind of like an inverted row. Uh, but same thing, make sure you use a good sturdy bed sheet. Yeah, well, can you demo that one too, please, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'll make that's, sure that's, I'll do, I mean, do some really good that, filming today. That's the same concept as a TRX, obviously. Yeah, exactly. The suspension train, the same sort of concept. And I mean, gee, you, you can buy them for a hundred bucks now. Suspension trainer, which you can, you know, tie to a rafter or put in a doorway. So, so they are good options. But if you don't want to spend any money, then that that towel or sheet option sounds good. Totally. Oh man, I'm gonna have a lot of people making fun of me now when they see the video. Anyways, I'll do it. <laughs> so with with nutrition, I mean, obviously, like the for most families, the there's going to be loads of food around when we celebrate. There's going to be tons of gatherings, parties, um, and it can be easy to add quite a bit of weight over the holidays if you don't pay attention to what you're doing. So what would you say, like, what, what would be some tips that you would give Gilly on how to navigate nutrition and weight gain over the holidays? Yeah, that's my favorite topic, actually. Um, I think there's, um, how I try and frame it is there's two ways that we can um keep an eye on our body composition and our and our and our body weight um and most of us know you know when we've got our big our big sort of um i suppose celebration meals coming up or we're gonna we're going out with the with the friends and having a barbecue and a few cold cold ones um most of us sort of know when that's happening um and and i think that if you know then it's easy to plan for and prepare for and so there's two key, key words either either earn or burn okay and and for me it's um like i'm i'm going to a family christmas this afternoon um so i've done a quick hit of, of weights in the garage um i've had a i've had a nice um low calorie smoothie um high nutrient smoothie for breakfast um and then i'm going to go for a long easy run okay and um and the whole point here is that I know I'm going to eat a lot tonight, this afternoon. I'm going to eat a lot. I'm going to feast. I'm going to my mum and dad's house. Dad cooks a mean roast, mean lamb, mean ham, and so I'll I'll be I'll be having more than two plates. I'll be probably having three. So, um, in anticipation of that, um, I burn lots of calories and go into that meal in a deficit. Okay, so, so that's just how I operate because I love food. I've got a really good relationship with food. I love it. it makes me feel good. 
I love the pace of everything about it I love. But I also don't like putting on bad weight. And so for me, I'll I'll actually do the mahi before I go to the feast. Okay. And and that's sort of how I roll. Um, because I know that tomorrow morning I'll wake up and I'll feel probably pretty average because I've eaten so much food. And so the chance of me rolling out of bed tomorrow morning and doing what I've done already today um, is low. The chance is low. And that's the that's the phrase burn. So that's burning off what I ate today. I'm not going to burn it off tomorrow. So for me, how it works is I earn it um, I rather than burn it afterwards. Um, and so people just need to figure out how that works for them. Um, you know, because I think you don't want to um, like like there's a there's an element of discipline involved. Like if you're trying to hit specific targets and you're working really really hard, then yes, you have to be disciplined. You just have to make good choices. Um, but along the way, you also want to make sure you're happy. Um, you know, so so you can be the leanest, strongest, um, fittest rugby player in the world, but be miserable because you can't enjoy a nice meal with your family. Okay, so so the balance is key in. Holiday time's hard because your friends and family might not have the same goals as you. And so you don't want to sort of be on the outer because, oh, no, I can't have that because I'm training. And um, and it's sort of like, well, if you go to that meal, you, you sort of have a bit of flexibility because you've you've gone and in a good place. Um, I know lots of professional players over my time who know they're going to have a big feast for dinner. And so they'll fast all day. You know, they'll they'll train twice in the day, they won't eat, and then they'll just be able to relax at dinner time and feast. Okay. So um, and a lot of people will say that's really bad. It's a bad way of eating and fueling. Um, but I think if you put yourselves in those shoes, I think um everyone's different, but some people need to do that. Otherwise they're miserable and they can't control themselves at the feast anyway. So I think you've got to try and experiment with what works for you. So earn or burn. That should be a t-shirt. Earn or burn. I love that. What about booze? Like drinking over the holidays? Would you say you kind of use the same principle? Like save it? Save it for those events? Yeah, I think so. Like um, um, Kiwis are Kiwis are renowned for being binge drinkers. So it's probably not a bad, it's not probably not a good um, way of going about things. But um, I think as an athlete or someone trying to make some good gains physically um, in, in any game, um, I think prioritising that over boozing is important, obviously, um, but also being being selective and when you might have a couple. Um, and again, it's exactly the same philosophy, Bucky, like um, if you're going to have a few beers on you know tonight, then you make sure you earn it, you know, because you definitely aren't going to burn it off tomorrow morning. Um John Mitchell, famous rugby coach, coach your blacks back in the early 2000s, currently with the England woman, been with England, you name it, he's coached everyone. Um, uh, I worked with him back in about 2004, and um, he used to, in his holiday, um, I'm trying to think, I'm pretty sure it was a kilometre per beer. So the day after he had beers, he'd have to run a kilometre for every beer he had, no matter what. Okay, so... If you had six beers the next day, you had to get up and do 6K. If you had 15 beers the next day, you had to get up and do 15. Now, I couldn't do that, um, but that was his way. So he was burning. Um, I would rather have, run 10 kilometres and have five or six beers that night 
um, rather than get up in the morning and do it. So I think it's just a matter of coming up with what works for you that, that keeps you in the state you want to be in um, and doesn't interfere too much with your progress. Brilliant. Well, guys, do you feel like we did a pretty good job covering how to navigate training and nutrition over the over the holidays? Sweet. So let's open it up to questions. Um, if you have a question, just go ahead and unmute yourself and we we've, we've got some time for you. Don't be shy. Well, uh, I have a question, but it has nothing to do with the holidays. Um, and it's a question for you, uh, Nick. I I've been thinking who's the athlete that you enjoyed working with the most and why? And I'm not talking in the sense that they were incredibly gifted, but more in the sense the way they approached working with you that made you say, oh, I really enjoyed working with that guy. Um, yeah, good question, right? Really good question. I haven't been asked that before. Um, I think um, as a coach, uh, and, and again, I don't know what other how other coaches feel, but for me, um, I love athletes um, that want to be part of their journey and want to own and want to own their sort of their their their, their path. Um, and so, what I mean by that is athletes that put a lot of thought as to what they need to be doing to be a better rugby player and discussing it with me um, as you know a perceived expert in the field um so so them coming with ideas and us having a discussion um and figuring out the way forward together to formulate their plan um and i think why i love that the most is because then they own it they own they own their performance on the field on saturday they own the the um how they turn up physically um because they've been part of that process and i think that when you own that plan um then you know people talk about this thing called buy-in um but basically your compliance your effort the energy you put into your plan if it's your plan um you'll be way more accountable to yourself um as well as to me or to your coach so so i think that's probably the thing i might enjoy most and and in the all blacks i'm very lucky because um over time we've sort of created that in most of them um where there's a lot of responsibility on the athlete to to be in the shape they need to be in on Saturday. And I essentially provide tweaks and education and knowledge and ideas um, that then we'll try together and then we'll discuss whether that works for them. Um, you know, cl classic classic example will be a player's not feeling quite fast enough on the field. He'll say to me, you know, in the game, I feel really good over 10 metres and I feel like I, I can beat anyone. Um, but if I get into open space, I feel like I can't quite get into fifth gear. Um, so I had that with a player this year at World Cup, Will, Will Jordan. Um, all year he's been d dynamic with his feet and over 10 metres, but he just hasn't been able to open up because he's, he's had a bit of a hamstring thing going on. Um, and so we've had to gradually, you know, with him and I talking every day, gradually try and expose him to faster running more and more slowly um, over time. And And so... That was a almost a daily conversation. Um, Billy, I'm down for squats today. You know, at I don't know, at one meter a second. Um, can I go a bit faster? And so that's the conversation. So he's feeling his body needs some exposure to faster stuff. Gilly, can we do that? Um, 
And so that's what I think most athletes should be looking for in their coaching, um, whether that's on the field, um, whether that's off the field, is, is have a think, be intuitive, be um, look, look inside yourself what you think you need and then have the conversations. Well, that, that, that's really interesting. But then what if you're dealing with someone on the flip side, a bit like um, Finn Russell? If you re read that article you read where <clears throat> he knows his background is as a mason, he approaches rugby and the skills that he'll perform on Saturday planned out because he's caught the video. But the only way he'll ever get a six pack is the ones he's eating through chocolate bars. Would that then also count in as, okay, cool, you know what you're doing on your path? Or would he be, uh, well, a pain to work with? Oh, I don't know the guy. Um, he seems like a really interesting, fascinating human. Um, he's um, a lot of a lot of a lot of rugby players or athletes nowadays are quite. I don't want to say eccentric, but um, um, individual. You know, they have their own little nuances, and I think oh, that wouldn't frustrate me if he's if he's if he's in great nick and he knows how to stay in great nick and and. He's turning up on Saturday um, in the in the state he needs to be to perform the best of his ability. Then there's no issues with that. Um, I've had me I've had players in the All Blacks um, want to have a program written by someone else, you know. And it's like, well, how does that how does that work in the All Blacks? Well, once you understand the why, then it becomes quite easy, um, you know. And and often the why is they want more individual attention. Um, but then they also want to be able to, they've also been promised 10% of the income of this business. So, <laughs> so when you understand it's, it's actually about wanting more individual attention and money, um, then you just sort of got to roll, roll your sleeves up and figure out how you can still assist. But I think that's the thing, like Finn, Finn Russell, like, um, yeah, I mean, gee, he's a pretty good player, isn't he? Works for him. How about you, Big J? Have you got any questions for Gilly? Yeah, back on the food, because I too am an avid lover uh, of food. Um, what's your take on sort of food plans or food prepping? And uh, what tools would you or do you use uh, for your athletes to sort of maintain a good diet? Yeah, like um, I think... Josh, it's a, it's a hell of a question because it's pretty complicated. Um, I, I, there's a couple of things. Um, so, so it sounds like you and I are quite similar. Um, you're Australian. I married an Australian, so that's bloody good. Um, but, um, but oh, we both live. Yeah, how good. Um, but loving the food is, is I think, is important. Um, identify if you love it, and if you, you know, like for me, you know, I, I eat fast and I eat too much. Okay, and and so I know that. So that's the first thing is having awareness of your, of your barriers, I suppose, or or risky risky parts of how you how you eat. So once you identify what what the sort of barriers are, then it's a matter of okay. Well, I know I eat too fast, so I'll try and slow down. But you never do, and I know I eat too much. Okay, well, I have all my life, and I'm probably not going to change it, but I'm aware of it. Okay. So that's where I've I've sort of experimented for myself and with athletes around well, um, what food can you not do without? Okay, and um, and I'll tell you a classic story because um, I think this is a, a really good 
um, pitcher for most young athletes. Um, and he won't mind me telling you this, but Ma'a Nonu. Um, I, work, I started working with him in 2008 in the All Blacks. It was my first year in All Blacks. And um, he was carrying around, I don't know, five or six kilos of body fat that he didn't need to carry around. Um, he was struggling with his fitness. His work rate was low. Um, he was explosive and powerful, and, and he could rip a team to pieces, um, you know, with one or two runs. But then he'd leak tries because he wouldn't be covering on defense enough. Okay, and so so he was a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a liability, but he was, um, um, you know, he wasn't the best he could be. And so we had him. I had him getting up at five a.m. in the morning to go and sit on a bike um, for an hour at Les Mills every morning of a test week. Okay, and there was three or four of them. Um, but he was the one where the penny dropped, and and I suppose where it got to was um, <laughs> I tried a few things. I had the meeting with chopsticks um, to try and slow them down. Um, we were almost serving up food for them to try and show them what portions they should be having. Um, so we tried lots of things, but obviously that's easy when you're in a team environment, but when you're not, it's very difficult to control. So. We had to try and look at how we change their own habits. Anyway, a couple of weeks on, um, Mars sort of comes up to me and he's like, so Gilly, I'm really struggling. Like I'm tired. Um, we're not, I'm not seeing any change in my body weight. Um, I'm doing everything just like I normally do it. And I just said to him, well, that's the problem, mate. You're just eating too much. So I said, because if we're doing an extra hour a day of exercise, you should be losing body fat and weight. So you're obviously still eating too much. Um, and, and so I said to him, so so what are you having for lunch today? He said, oh, I just normally go out to sushi. They're a really good place in Wellington. I said, oh, yeah, I know the place. He said, yes, yeah, so I'll go there. I'll get sort of 15, 15, 20 pieces. And, um, and I'll be like, ah, oh, okay. So then I just told him that a cup of rice is 30 minutes of running. Okay. And I said, so you're having basically three or three hours of training time at lunchtime. Okay, you're eating the fuel to train three hours. So that means you need to train four hours to lose body fat, or you need to eat less fuel. He said, what? You mean I just have like six pieces of sushi instead of 15 or 20? I said, yeah. Why don't we try that? He said, Gilly, so you're telling me if I need six pieces of sushi, I'll lose weight and body fat. I said, if you keep everything else the same and you do that, I guarantee it. And two weeks later, we saw a shift. Um, he started realizing if he did that at breakfast and had least at breakfast, then he didn't need to come on the 5 a.m. session anymore. Um, and within sort of two months, he had dropped massive weight and body fat and was starting to fast so he could eat lots at nighttime. Okay. Um, and, and I suppose what I'm, what I'm trying to get at here is when he realized that the rice, which didn't taste like anything, unless you dipped it in soy sauce, okay, when you gave up all that rice, it meant you didn't have to train as much, okay? And so this is a problem for most people in society is that we eat too much fuel for what we do. And if you look at all the white, dull foods that exist in our life, bread, potato, rice, okay, pasta, it is pure energy and there's no nutrients in it. There's nothing in it that's good for you. Okay. 
And so I'll give you, I'll give you another example. You, 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 you fill your car up with petrol. Okay, you drive a kilometre, you park it in the garage overnight. Okay, it's in the garage. You can't sit in the garage, not doing anything. Do you then start the car up in the morning, go back to the garage, which is a kilometre away, and fill it up with fuel again? No. The fuel tank's already full, right? Hasn't done anything. Whereas as humans, we're constantly putting fuel in and we're not burning it. And so, you know, the car analogy is a really simple one for your body is that if you wanted to make progress in reducing body weight or body fat, then you need to put less fuel in than what you're burning. Um, and an easy way to do that is to eliminate some of the white, dull stuff that we fill our plate up with. Okay. Um, so bear in mind here, I'm not saying don't eat carbs. I'm just saying that if you're only doing a one-hour run in a day, you know, on the field with intervals, and you're only doing an hour gym session, you probably don't need um, loads of carbs for breakfast, morning tea, lunch, afternoon tea, and dinner. You probably need a little bit of carbohydrate sprinkled around those sessions, and that's it. Okay? And that's as simple as it is, Josh. Like, um, if you look at your plate, um, at each meal, it should be full of colour and it should have very little dull white stuff on it. Okay. And and most Kiwis and I think most Aussies um have too much carbohydrate for breakfast um as a as a starting point, and none of us have enough protein across the day. So um I don't think there's any amazing, amazing sort of food plans and things that um, I mean, any food plan or or app like like Hexus, the app we use, they're all really good to help educate and to create structure for you and to be organized. Um, but at the end of the day, everyone just needs to understand it's not that complicated. It's about energy in, energy out. And most of us are putting too much in for what we're doing. Um, you know, just think your cars, your, your body's like a car. It needs fuel to do the things you need it to do. And after that, it doesn't need anything. Sorry, that was a long-winded answer, Tim. Oh, I thought it was no, good. No, that's really good. I appreciate that. I had a follow-up question, but I think I've lost it. And a real classic for me, I, I love this. A real classic is, you know, um, like I love curries, and so for a long time I don't have rice with my curry. I just have like a bit of vegetables underneath, you know, because rice tastes like nothing except the curry you put on it. Um, and vegetables have a bit more flavor, but they're just full of vitamins and minerals and less carbohydrate. And so it becomes it goes from being an average meal to a really healthy meal um, because it's less uh, calorie dense, but more nutrient dense. You can do that with every meal. You know, don't have a big subway, just have a salad. Um, you know, don't 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 have a big bowl of cereal. Um, have have something that's a bit more nutritious and a bit more color, whether that's a you know a, a low calorie, high nutrient smoothie, or or some you know a high a high fat muesli or or eggs. So, yeah. And for all our yeah, all our, the uh, non kiwi listeners, eggs are eggs. Yeah. <laughs> You're already saying, Josh. I was just saying, I've jumped on the um the smoothie train as well. Uh, yeah, waking up and, and... That, that's that's good. Mate. Like smoothies are great. It's as long as you don't put too much carbohydrate in it, because 
Well, my daughter, yeah. she's got a sweet tooth and she just, she can't help herself just loading it up with honey and bananas and all the sugar. And it's like a lot of people get on the smoothie train, but but actually, you know, if you measured out what they're putting in, people the, often put in way more than they would have had at breakfast. Um, yeah. Um, so you just got to be really careful with what you, what ingredients you use as to what sort of energy and nutrients you get. But that's good. Because often also we, we confuse hunger with thirst. Mm. Okay. And, and I love a smoothie because I'm actually normally not hungry, but I'm thirsty, uh, you know, when I wake yeah. up. So, so I put water in my smoothie and just, I don't know whether it's a little bit of nutrient hit in the food, but the full belly, but it's I'm definitely not as thirsty. Yeah, so I started um, doing the smoothies about probably six weeks ago, yeah. maybe just over a month ago. And yeah. I just started and it was full cream milk. It was like two and two, two and a half bananas. It's like two scoops of protein and a bit of honey, maybe some peanut butter or something like that. And I just thought, because I'd usually have that and then want to go train at 9 or 10, I'd have that at sort of 8 o'clock and want to go train at 9 or 10. I was stuck just right up until training and even in towards the workout. I still felt very, very full. Um, but about three weeks ago, I've cut out like full cream milk. I just do coconut milk. Uh, taken away a banana and I just feel like it gives me everything I need to get through a workout. I uh, do the protein uh, scoop as well. This feels gives me enough to get through the workout to then Beautiful. be able to eat after that. Beautiful. And, that, and, that's, so, yeah, and that's, good. that's great learnings, mate. That's great learnings. You've gone from a probably a, 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 a smoothie that was too energy dense um, and too much volume to you've refined it a little bit and now you feel better. So that's that's exactly what we all need to be doing. So when it, that's why I say when it comes to nutrition plans, there's such an individual component to it that a little bit of experimentation is required. You know, yeah. um, even milk, be careful with milk. Milk is um, like I drink too much milk again. Like I've gone th gone through a phase of not having any milk. I've gone back to drinking too much milk because I love my coffee. But um, yeah. yeah, over a day I can have way too much and there's plenty of calories in milk. Oh yeah, I've I found that like with my diet, it's actually not a, a terrible diet compared to some that you'd see. It could always be better. But the biggest thing that I felt was impacting it was absolutely the, the milk because I'd be able to go through 1 to 1.5 litres of milk a day like, without yeah. thinking about it. And when you just look at how much energy or calories and yeah. that, that's right. all that going into it, if you yeah. cut that out and get the exact same thing, that's a quarter of the amount of calories that's right, and then all of a sudden, that's that's twenty minutes less exercise you have to do to be losing body fat, you know. So that's exactly. that's, that's great, mate. Good good learnings, brother. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Josh, I think something too on the nutritional side that you know that Gilly was talking about is you know for someone big like you're a big guy, so I find this relatable as well. Um, if you have a low low protein in your diet and you don't actually measure the amount of carbohydrates you serve yourself? Like how many people do you know that actually use a level cup of cooked rice? Like nobody. So what ends up happening is you'll be actually serving yourself two or three cups of rice when you scoop it out. And then you're not having very much protein. So you're, you're kind of making like two big errors there all at once. So you're lower, you're lowering your protein intake. 
you're increasing your carbohydrate intake. So you're obviously, if you're not losing weight, you're taking too much energy in. So then if you do change the composition of your plate, so by putting less carbohydrates in, um, you have to make sure that you are increasing your protein intake as well. And like, I'm not saying, you know, you have to measure your, your nutrition all the time, but it can be very beneficial to learn, okay, well, how many, how many calories is in, you know, one cup of cooked mints? Okay. Maybe if I buy extra lean, it's going to help me hit my protein um, target because I can get about a hundred grams of protein from a relatively small amount. Then I'm going to use my, a bit of protein powder, a bit of Greek yogurt, low fat Greek yogurt, et cetera. Um, and it makes it easier that way. And when you do what Gilly said, when you swap out sort of the white flavorless carbs that are really easy to overeat and you add more vegetables, you're also getting in a lot more fiber. So when you eat more protein and more fiber and you hydrate, you stay full for a lot longer. Um, so it's a, it's a really good strategy to not only lose body fat, but to maintain like a really good body, body composition. Cool guys. Adam, Adam's joined us. So has Tally. Do either of you fellas have any questions at all? Yeah, I've got one. Um, so if, if you're a player coming off the bench, you know, moving to a new club or something, what, what would you look for the most um, to be able to kind of insert yourself into the game? If it's maybe slightly broken or, you know, cause it's easy to run around looking for the big hit and kind of make a fool of yourself. What do you think the best way to kind of, fit in and adjust to the to the tempo of the game set up coming off the bench good question mate um it's tricky eh? it's tricky um because normally you're coming off the bench you're sort of you're, you're obviously wanting to start and and so there's an element of wanting to put your hand up and do something special to to show that you deserve a starting spot um would that be fair Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think often when that does happen, you know, bench players come on and run around exactly like you said and, and try and do too much. Um, yeah, like in my time in rugby, the best bench has been the bench that's come on and the game hasn't changed or it hasn't in a bad way. It's changed. If it has changed, it's, it's actually gone up a notch. Um but often when bench players come on, the whole structure and flow of the team changes because people are trying to do not just their role, but more than their role. And therefore the team doesn't function as well as it could. So, so I'm, I mean, I think in, in, in rugby union, I mean, we all know that the sport, the game's about, you know, 15, 15 people on the field executing their tasks um, that are important for their position. And, Doing them at the highest, um, the highest level possible. So, um, what position do you play, Adam? Uh, open side flank. So open side flank, mate. So, I mean, depending on the team you're in, um, you know, you're, you're sort of first line of defence off a lot of set piece. Um, you may be, you may be a fetcher, as in you're looking for turnovers. Um, and your work rate will need to be high, so you need to sort of be everywhere. So um, first and foremost would be you need to nail every single tackle. You can't miss a tackle, and you need to make some dominant tackles where possible, okay? Um, but you don't want to miss 
tackles at the expense of a dominant tackle. Okay, that would be my my five cents. And then secondly is actually making sure you're just in the in the places you're meant to be at the right time. Um, so often when you're sitting on the bench, so let's say you come on with 30 to go, well, for 50 minutes, you should be studying the game, watching from the bench going, okay, when I get on, what am I going to expect and where are some opportunities for me um, to actually change the game? Um, so for 50 minutes, you're studying the opposition, you're studying how your team's playing, you're studying and knowing what your role is when you get on. So it's not all about coming on, running around like a madman and taking people's heads off to make an impact. It's actually about this is what the team, this is what the opposition are doing, this is what our team's doing. Okay, when I come on, how am I actually going to influence the game um, based on what I'm seeing? And um, and obviously that means staying in the system, staying in the plan of the team, comms, and executing at the highest level possible. Um, you know, like uh, you're the best player, the best, best best rugby team in the world at the moment, Springboks. Um, they make the least mistakes. They're not the, 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 They're probably they're probably not full of the most talented rugby players, but they definitely make the least mistakes. And the game plan, everyone on the field sticks to the game plan. And so, um, yeah, to me that's it's that's pretty clear. And I know it's more difficult to do than than it is to say, but that's sort of my advice. Yeah, great man. Thanks. You're on mute, Bucky. Awesome. Just talking to myself here. Um, we got one more question from Tally. So he's coming back from concussion. Um, he's been cleared to start very light training on the bike. Gilly, what do you usually recommend for an athlete coming back, you know, taking the rugby side out of it, like contact training, et cetera? Um, what would you usually recommend for them to do sort of their first one to two week back into training post-concussion? So the question is, what's what's the best thing to do post-concussion when coming back into training? Yeah. Um, and so far, been on a bike. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been able to do like a twenty to thirty minute spin, and he felt fine. So the normal concussion protocol um, in professional teams is um, first of all no symptoms, okay, and then you can commence exercise. Then you tick off light aerobic exercise, no symptoms. You can progress to um, um, a sub maximal weights training session. No symptoms, you can progress to a high-intensity running session. No symptoms, you can progress to a full-noise weight training session. Okay, no symptoms, you can then basically immerse yourself in a rugby training with no contact. And then once you've gone through those progressions, then you can start to expose yourself to contact again. And so, um, you know, to me, it's, it's all about, well, not to me, from a medical perspective, it is all about um, no symptoms as intensity and randomization of um, activity changes as it's all guided by symptoms and, and how you're feeling. So um, so if, if, if biking's no problem, then you, we should be doing some submaximal weights and some running. 
They're no problem with him ripping to a decent lift. That's no problem then you get back out on the field and run around passing a ball and changing direction and things. And then the last the last step is is some contact exposure. Okay. And and that's that's actually law. Like in uh in international rugby, we have to go through those progressions in a test week. So if someone gets a knock, um, and even if it's not diagnosed as concussion, but a knock on a Saturday, we have to go through those progressions in a week. So sometimes a player might not train until Thursday, even if they weren't concussed. But if they were concussed, it's a compulsory two weeks out. And you still have to go through those progressions. Okay. Yeah, thank you for that. That was super helpful. I think that's going to help them a lot. Yeah, go for Sorry, it. Just to um, add on to that. Um, so you mentioned sometimes players will, will often have to, yeah, they won't be able to train till the Thursday. So what's the sort of um, process around doing those um, tests and recovery and things like that? Like it's a, once you're able to do, you know, a 30-minute bike with no symptoms, are you able to then move on to the next test and, and do that? Do you sort of take do that the next day, take a break? Yeah, the, the next day. So, so basically, um, if you're concussed, then you do it over two weeks. So you take your time. If you just felt like you've, you've finished the game and were like, oh, I think I might have got a bit of a knock, see how I feel tomorrow, no symptoms. Okay, so if you've got no symptoms, um, then we tend to just take it easy on the Monday with a light bike, see how you're going. Okay, that's the morning. Um, and if that's okay, you might be able to sort of walk around in, in, in the afternoon at training. The next day would be a, a light run, okay, which is when the team would be training. Um, and then if that's okay, then in the afternoon, it might be a light lift, it might not. Um, then it'd be a day off, and then it would be a, okay, are we ready for rugby training? Um, no contact, yep, cool, so we do that. And then if, if all that's ticked off, you haven't been cussed, remember? Um, then you'd be you'd be sort of cleared with a little bit of collision stuff at the end of training as like a, a fitness test. If you're concussed, though, you're out for two weeks, minimum, and still go through those progressions. Yeah. So it's a day-by-day, day, not a do one session, oh, I feel good, or I'll do the next session an hour later. It's sort of a – because sometimes you wake up in the morning feeling funny from, from, the, from the exercise. So um, it's very much a day-by-day. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for, for all of you who joined us live. And for those of you who missed this, there's going to be a recording going out as well. Uh, we'll send it to you in True Coach. Um, if we don't talk to you before then, I'm sure all, most of you on the call, I'll, I'll be chatting with you today and tomorrow. But um, for, for everyone who didn't attend, we wish you guys a really happy holidays. And we're going to do this again every month. So we'll see you next month. Um, if you missed the call, and you want to be on it, send us um, send us some ideas on times that would work for you, and we'll do our best to make this work for as many people as possible. Awesome. Thanks, team. Much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed your Starbucks, Josh. Sally, Adam, good to see you. And Thor, um, keep going hard, brother. Pocket rocket. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rugby Ready podcast and that you got some value from it. To stay in touch with us and check out all things Rugby Ready, follow us on Instagram at Rugby Ready. We'll see you next time.